Hi. Hi. Welcome back to Hydro Practice. Hydro Practice. Yay. Episode 5, Outreach. Indeed, we are. Like practical how to do it because it's one thing to tell everybody you need to outreach, you need to network, you need to, you know, put yourself out there. And it's like, okay, but but how? Exactly. And it's obvious that people don't know because I didn't know. Most people don't know. If you're not told, then how would you know? That's true. I mean, I suppose you could just watch how other people do it. I, yeah. But that's hard to do if you, everyone's doing it from, you know, their offices or their phones or their computers. If you're doing emails or calls, it's, it's kind of hard. It's true. And also Google, you can only do so much Googling to say, how do you network? How do you write emails? And, you know, cause then it, you do, I think that's one thing that I've definitely learned with time is that it should be personalized. If, you're yes. going to go and make the effort to go and reach out to somebody. It's not a blanket template that you're using. It, it should really reflect on your knowledge on the other person or else why are you getting in touch with them? You're exactly. just basically like catching a fish with a giant net. Right. And there's definitely like a time and a place for like the general press release, like outreach to whoever. But, you know, until you're there you know, until you're at a certain you know, level of gallery or name or, you know, status, for lack of a better word, people aren't going to know, why am I opening this email? Why am I responding to this? And it's, you know, if you're looking for like mentorship or a review or a discussion or, you know, maybe a potential programming collaboration in the future, why? not just who you are, which is definitely going to be important, but why do you think this is the fit for me? No, exactly. And I, we say this a lot in when I teach students is why should I care? Why does yes. it matter to me? Yes. Um, and I can sort of see the faces of like, why would you say that to me? But when you are sort of teaching design and you're teaching theory, it's, it has to be applicable or it has to resonate with you in some way, shape or form. So asking the question, okay, you're going to answer me this. Why should I care? And it seems really mean to say that, but it's true. Like, why should I have to go and take however long it takes for me to read this email? You need to be telling me something right off the bat and preferably it's not how amazing you are. Right. Because it is, yeah, why should I care sounds cold, but also like kind of maybe do that work for me. Hi, I saw that you curated a show at, you know, the Riveter. And I thought that was an interesting use of, you know, common space. And the work that I'm engaging with is really addressing that. Would you have time to talk or are you curating anything similar in the future? Something where it's like, oh, okay, this is why I'm caring. Especially now when people are so many things because it's like if I was going to reach out to you Erica am I reaching out to Erica the artist or Erica the educator 
Well, I'm going to look up what I wrote to you. Or Erica, (laughs) the PhD social scientist. You know, like I need Mm -hmm. to know, you would need to know because it's if I'm just like, hey, like I'm a curator art dealer in LA, I would love to collaborate. And you'd be like, about what? You know, like, do you want to talk to me about like an installation piece? Do you want to talk to me about an education program? Do you want to talk to me about, you know, an academic thing? I don't know because I'm not a PhD, but I assume that you guys do things that are very academic and important and like maybe library oriented. I don't know. <laughs> no, I think it's fair, but you do need to find that connection. And I mm-hmm. think that that's where the critical or the analytical skills that you get from going to art school or being trained as an artist to think that way, to draw those relationships is yes. really useful yes. because I, I can't find the email that I wrote to you, but I'm fairly sure I wrote something like, I saw you on this Instagram story. I'm really interested in knowing how you do pop-up shows because probably something like I used to live in LA or I, I do this. I I'm trying to go and help students to provide them with practical information. And so understanding how you're able to go and put on a pop-up for $30 would be very useful for my students. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think, think it that was something very similar to that. Probably. And I think one thing that I also really thought was very useful is knowing your position so where you stand i when i was doing my undergrad and my graduate degree i would make it a very clear point that i'm a student please teach me help me exactly you're i'm putting you in this position because i think that your opinion and your expertise is invaluable and i'm just here to learn so please get back to me um, and that was something that I had learned as an undergraduate student, what other students were saying, because, you know, and this is quite terrible, but flattery gets you somewhere. Oh, it totally does. It gets you everywhere. With me, it gets you so far. Even when I know this was something, this is a side thing, but it's true. When I, when I was the director of the Museum of Broken Relationships, because um, I don't want people to think that I was the director of like MOCA or something. When I was the director of my museum and people would come in and, you know, want to do something or employees would need something and they'd be like purposefully flattering. They'd think that they were getting away with something. I absolutely know you're kissing my ass, but guess what? I'm not mad at it. At least you know that you should be kissing my ass while you're asking me for a favor. You know, it's better than just coming in cold. <laughs> no, fair enough. And I think that there's a slight, very, very slight difference between brown nosing. True. And doing the enough to be courteous to say that I've read, I've done my research to know what you do and how yeah. I align with you. And sort of really building on that relationship quite like before you really get to the point of saying, this is me now. I think there is a sequence of like, how do you actually do that? Mm -hmm. So it becomes almost like an equation when you're writing something like this, whether it's a DM, do people do that? A DM or if it's an email or if it's phone call, I still have a tendency to call to follow up. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's quite old school, but for me is the etiquette is you write an email, 
if you're in the Western world, it will, you wait for a week and then you email or you call to follow up or something. If you're in Asia, like you do that five minutes later, if even that. But, <laughs> but in the Western world, it, you do get the courtesy of like the following up. And I think it personally, I think the, the calling, it's more personal. You can hear the other person on the other end of the line. Um, and also then you just corner the, the man. Yeah, so. absolutely corner them. <laughs> Uh, if you've got a phone number, it's never bad to call because at least then you kind of have somebody cornered even the answer. And then it's like, you know what? Yeah. Email me again. Let's get this on the books. I can't talk now. I can talk next Wednesday. And then you call back next Wednesday. Um, yep. Because like we've talked about before, it's not necessarily that people don't want to do these things. It's just people are busy and they, you know, priorities shift constantly daily. And, but if you can get someone to engage and you have a good, but that's the other thing is it can't just be getting them to engage. It's like, why do you want them there? And this is when you do that work ahead of time. It's because they curated two group shows at two galleries that you really like. And you think that your work would fit with their, you know, their practice. It's because you want to do a, you know, performance piece at their, you know, multidisciplinary art space. And you think that because of what happened last spring there, it would be something that they would be interested in. And having them be like, oh, immediately, like, I'm now paying attention, even though you cornered me on the phone, because you know what you're talking about. And it's not just, oh, I have this practice and I have this and I'm from here and I went to here. And it's like, that's all well and good. But like, why are we talking? What does that have to do with the price of bread? Like, tell me what it is and why you want to talk to me and why this you know, conversation is happening, not just who you are. Like, why is the conversation happening? Give me that meat and then we can get to. But so how do you find these people? Oh, baby, that research. Well, it's. I'm, this is where my like nerd is going to get like real clear. I have so many spreadsheets guys. Um, and now that like you can have Google spreadsheets and you can do it on your phone, it's like made my life so much nerdier, but I have spreadsheets of press people I've talked to. I have spreadsheets of curators I'm interested in. I have spreadsheets of artists I like. I have uh, spreadsheets of artists I want to work with galleries that I think are interesting galleries that have done guest curation shows galleries that I've talked to that have um that are open to getting like new artists in their program I have this whole I've got just bloggers why not um I have you know institution emails I have just general like info at blah 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 gallery.com emails I have them all separate and I have them, <laughs> I have them, like, I know this person. I have, like, mm -hmm. the color coding system, or this is someone I know. This is someone I've worked with. This is someone I've corresponded with, and it's been, like, fine, but nothing's, like, come out yet. Mm -hmm. um, granted, guys, this is, like, you know, 20 years into, like, my career, and it's not true, 15, and so it's not always easy for me to remember everybody I worked with in 2009. Um, and especially when I'm doing things like freeze outreach or basil outreach for, you know, art pieces for clients, it's easy to get things kind of muddled. Um, I have interior designers. I have a list of other art consultants um, and I'm starting to compile a list of government research because I'm interested in what I could do with uh, what government in like Los Angeles and Southern California is doing with art uh, publicly. So I have all of these lists. It started out as just one outreach list of name, 
email institution. And then I have used them for different purposes. I'm putting on a show, here's my general list, and I BCC it. Now I have a MailChimp that kind of organizes my uh, emails. I've done for outreach of, you know, for more specific things, especially when I have friends who ask me about who should I contact for this? I want to do this kind of project and I can find them. I can find them like right away and I can know it if I have like a place for notes because I've someone just saying I'm specifically looking for this. I have it. It might take me a little bit because the list is like 2000 people now, but I know it's insane. Sorry. You guys can see Erica's face. She's like, what? <laughs> um, but it's, but this is, you know, this is everybody I've, um, I've like come into contact with and I talked to and it's, it's gotten me so many places and it's gotten me further than not because I'm not just, it's never just like a cold email to everyone. I mean, I do have a, my email list where I will send out just like a cold email to everybody like once a quarter, whenever I have a show or announcing a podcast. Um, but in general for like other projects that I'm looking for, I can always find the person I want or need. And it's, it's sometimes it's, I'm bored and I'm just researching and I'm like looking at, you know, who's been writing things at Hyperallergic, who's been writing things at Art F City, who's been, you know, who is this person following on Twitter and just going through and like, what does Twitter recommend? Who else I follow based on this follow? And then I go through those and then I collect emails and I put those in. Um, same thing for artists, same thing for curators, same thing for art consultants. And sometimes it's just as much as, you know, someone will tag someone in an Instagram. I'll go look at their profile. I'll see that they're one of these things and I'll pop it in my spreadsheet. And then I have it because I'm not going to remember in two weeks, two years, two months even. Oh, who is that person that Erica mentioned that one time in that one profile that she did on the Instagram? I won't remember. But if I have a saved spot for it, or I put it in my Instagram or my Instagram saved categories, which is something I also have, which is easy to navigate. Um, or if I put it in my spreadsheet, then I can find it. Uh, it's the same way I engage with galleries at art fairs. I have a full spreadsheet of every single gallery. And I have, who's my contact there? Have they sent me a the PDF of the works, uh, was anything interesting and did they send me prices? And I know I can always go back now. It's like, okay, nope. I talked to that person at Basel in 2012 because I've got my spreadsheet and it's so quick for me to be able to have those kinds of, that kind of access. Cause even then it's like, oh, you know, Susie Q, my favorite gallerist, she might not remember that I met her at Basel 2012. But if I, if I say to her, oh, that's right. I was like, I was like, remember, I was like, I met you at Basel 2012 and we talked about, you know, this was your programming. I'm contacting you because of this. I'm the art gallerist and or the consultant in Los Angeles. Then it's like, oh, this is, this is all the it's information It's not super cold. It's like a little, it's a little warmer, not very mm -hmm. warm, but not extremely like frigid cold either. Exactly. Which is, whatever you can do helpful, to raise yeah. the temperature. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and it's, and it's also, again, like it's not that most, um, it's not that most exciting, you know, work, but it is. No, but at, it's about being prepared. Exactly. It's doing the research 
forming your foundation and even like setting it in motion. I think that's Mm -hmm. also really important as well. Um, I've done things that are quite cheeky. I remember probably when I was in my undergrad, um, someone said to me, oh, because LA is so small and it's such a small industry that it's six degrees of separation. You're always going to know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. And you can't know everyone in the world. You know, like there's only so many blue chip top dealers that literally is what you were saying in the beginning. It's that you don't need to really network. But I actually think that you still need to network at the end of the day. But for sure. That you, but you don't need to introduce yourself in the same way as like, this is what I've done because now you have a reputation. Um, but I know like for specific friends who are very well connected, I, if they mention a name, they're like, you should talk to so-and-so-and-so. And I know that they're too busy to go and do an introduction for me. Mm-hmm. Even after if I've like texted them and said, yo, I, I still need that introduction from you. Um, and they don't do it because they don't have time. What I end up doing now is, this is so cheeky, um, is I write to the person, I find their email online. Mm-hmm. And if I can't find it, then I'm going to go find my friends who are extremely resourceful at researching mm-hmm. other people's emails online or numbers. And I write to the sub in the subject box to say, I am so-and-so's friend. They suggested for me to get in touch with you. Yeah. So I'm writing to you. And it's like, it's super cheeky, but it's, it's a little bit warmer. It's, it's warmer. not as super cold when exactly. you're writing. Yeah. Raise that temperature just a little bit. And then it's, you know, you're, someone's more likely to open that email. Um, at the minute because again you're already telling it's like why are you writing out to me like why are you you're already telling me in the subject line why i should open this email and it's because my friend bob told you that you should get in touch i know exactly. my name's great bob bob knows everybody. or Susie q and Susie q bob and Susie. god they just get around but it's you're doing things to get the temperature up and get someone more likely to open the email, more likely to understand, which is again, the subject line. It's not just like artist introduction, art consultant introduction. It's, you know. Susie Q's introduction. Exactly. Susie Q's introduction or like, you know, your specific work on your thesis question, your work, your curatorial work at, you know, like Matt Hope show that you did, you know, engagement, like something that, shows me immediately like you know who I am this is why you're writing fantastic I know what I'm getting into when I open that email and you're literally again like respecting the time you're just making it so much easier for someone to say yes you're like just greasing those wheels like no absolutely um I think it's a really good mentality to have is to think that the other person never have never has enough time Mm -hmm. so you know like and I see this quite a lot with my friends in Asia they say this quite often which is just get to the point yeah I don't I don't need the faffing at the front I know that you're trying to be cordial but like no one has time 
So just get to the point, tell me what you want from me and I will see whether I'm able to go and do it or not. Right. Um, and I think understanding how to work within that framework, but still being polite. Mm -hmm. I think that's like really useful. It's like, get to it. Tell me why you want this from me. Why do you think I'm able to go and provide whatever information or answer to you? Yeah. And then we can, and then if I forget to get back to you, then follow up. Exactly. So how do you follow up? I mean, if you're not going to call, which is fair, not everyone's a call person, it's, you know, reply to the thing. And it's, you don't have to say like circling back, blah, blah, blah. It can be, again, I'm writing because of this. I would love to talk to you. Do you have time next week? And then maybe like make your ask more specific Mm. where it's like, not like, I would love to talk to you sometime. It's like, do you have time on Tuesday? Yeah. I tend to do that as well. It's like, can you tell me what your schedule is in the next two weeks and we can just schedule something in. And it sounds quite aggressive, but I think, but I think with age also now that what I've learned is like when you are quite wishy-washy, it's so easy to dismiss it. Yeah. People just are just like, whatever. I don't have time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If you say, do you have, you know, can you talk about this? Yeah. Yes, I can. Do yeah. I have time to talk about it? Do I want to talk no, about I it? Don't. If you ask me yeah. on, do you have time on Tuesday afternoon to talk about this? That's a yes or no question. Correct. No, I don't have time on Tuesday to talk about this, but how's Wednesday? Correct. And you, that's a way to start that dialogue going where it's like. You get something more definite, I find. You need a definite. Yeah, because yeah. If, you, if you give a wishy-washy ask. You're open to a wishy-washy answer. If you want an answer quickly, this is also, it's, you're not asking anymore, can you talk about it? Do you want to talk about it? Do you want to engage? It's, do you have time on Tuesday? That doesn't have anything to do with engaging or talking about it or whatever. It's, do I have time on Tuesday? No, I have time on Wednesday. There you go. Um, And that's how you can get these things going. And I think instead of, you know, it's hard to not, especially I think in America, I don't know how it is in Europe and Asia as much to not do the like circling back, just wanted to check in, blah, blah, blah. It's, and that gets to be very soft, not active language. And I think again, like this is a time when being like active and proactive is it feels aggressive, but it's not because someone you need to cut through. No, absolutely. The unknown, the wishy-washy stuff where it's like, this is it. I would love to, can I come to your office? Can I come see this? So can you do a studio visit on Wednesday? And it's like, this is when, okay. Yeah. So I be clear. Wednesday. Be clear, be concise. So I think what is Correct. probably really useful to go and like, round this up is to say reach out do your mm-hmm. homework do your know homework. how you and whoever it is that you're trying to get in touch with how you guys are in line with each other mm-hmm. and then when you've done that research then make the point clear as to why yeah. Why they should give you their time. Right. 
if you have a friend who can do an introduction for you, great. If your friend can't, don't have the time to go and do it, be cheeky be and cheeky. just say your exactly. friend said that I should talk to you. Exactly. I've done that That's, so many times. I love that. I'm going to do it in the future. Um, it's actually horrible, but I just was like, I can't sit around and wait for you to do this for me. And so I'm just going to do it. And to my surprise, people are actually quite receptive. Well, they are. If I got an email being like, Erica Wong told me to talk to you, I would immediately open it because I'd be like, Erica's also not going to waste my time. You're like, you're the gatekeeper here. Like Erica wouldn't say, talk to Alexis if she didn't think it would be beneficial for somebody. And I trust you. Fair enough. Thank you for trusting me. So I think those are, those are the three things that really is very useful when you're Mm -hmm. doing outreach. And especially at a time like this, I think people are so bombarded by their emotions but also there's a lot happening even beyond emotions so if we're gonna use the term to cut through it's really important to go and just be clear mm-hmm. be respectful be respectful of your time but be respectful of the other person's time yeah no absolutely and whatever you can do to again, grease those wheels, make it clearer to get to the meat of the matter faster is better for everybody. And on that note, since we're talking about how to go and get out to the other people in the industry, what have you read and what have you listened to this week? This week has been you know, a lot more of the same, but the thing that really stuck out to me is that Nada, the, I'm going to butcher this, the New Art Dealers Allegiance Association? Association, I think. I like yeah. Allegiance, so that sounds very patriotic. Um, I'm going to look it up. Uh, Nada stands for New Art Dealers Alliance. Yes. And they are a non-profit art organization dedicated to supporting new dealers, basically. Thank you. So NADA just announced their platform for art. Uh, okay, that's normal. Cool. But what they also announced with it was a super transparent pricing structure about how the art, how the, uh, the prices are going to everybody, including people not just the galleries and not just the nada, but to the galleries and artists who aren't selling. They're doing like a like a blanket fund of like 10% goes to the artists that aren't selling or the galleries that aren't selling. So basically all sales, yes, the gallery and the artist who make the sale of that one piece get the bulk of the money, but the rest of it is divvied up among everybody which I That's think great. is so incredible for a couple of reasons. One, just good PR, man, like mm. way to show just like you guys are not just, you know, talking the talk, you guys are walking the walk of trying to support your new art dealers. And then also it's a really great way to get people to feel good about spending money in a real way like that's because they know where it's going they know exactly where it's going because some of the platforms if you're buying through it it's like i don't know who's getting what and how that's going in the back end um and then also you feel good because you're helping more people with your purchase and that's you know that makes me feel great and then also it's like talk about some really good like leadership of like this is a way we can do this guys like things are changing things are fluctuating 
we are problem solving now how to solve some of these, you know, these issues that we're facing with how to get people to see art, how to get people to buy art, how to support our smaller spaces and our, you know, upcoming uh, artists. Like there's ways and this is how you do it. And we're showing you. And I think that's really, um, really bolstering. So what um, have you read, heard, seen? So there was a Sotheby's announced that they've done $10 million in sales, online sales this week, which that's good for them. Um, to be fair, actually, I know that sounded like a little bit sarcastic. To be fair, though, the secondary market, which is the auction market, it still has its place, even if people think that, oh, they're very top down or like the auctions sort of, it's like they hold a lot of power. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, I think we still need to use, we still have auction houses because they, when you get that stamp and things get auctioned off, it, it, there's a seal of approval to say that there's an agreement or a standardization within the industry where these types of transactions have happened. Yep. So the legitimacy of it, why auction houses still exist and why they are still in power and why they need to be in power, that's one of the very big standing reasons. This is mm -hmm. also why a lot of the galleries are still working and they still need to go and get artists to have auctioned off. It's for this reason specifically. What I found to be really interesting is that there are two Asian artists who their estimate... Um, when the pieces were sold, have exceeded the estimate. So one is Matthew Wong, and the other is... Kengo Takahashi. Yes, exactly. Kengo Takahashi. So both of them have exceeded the, their um, estimate, which sort of made me wonder whether we have a place currently for Asian artists, which is quite mm -hmm. exciting. Um, so there is that. And then... I've actually, because there's so many things happening, not even like fair fatigue or online viewing room fatigue, but I just found that I spent so much time reading things that I don't, I forget like when I've signed up for things, like signed up for webinars, <laughs> signed up mm -hmm. for online viewing rooms. And I don't know if you know this, but the Beijing Gallery Weekend Beijing is happening on next weekend and they have a whole bunch of um oh my gosh that's right programming and so i just found that i needed a place for me to centralize for me to be like oh yes this is what i'm what i'm doing this week because sometimes you know the emails either they don't come through they come through and i don't remember and so i've started on my instagram having this like what i'm doing this week what i'm reading what i'm watching what i'm yeah, listening i saw that and i was yeah. like this is really nice a good because service I was here just like, i love it i have to i have to now be more organized you know mm -hmm. we talk about this quite often and i'm just like i don't feel like i'm very organized i feel like i could be more organized mm -hmm. and so um so that's another thing that i started just so it's there's a place at least for me to see what to read, what to watch, when to watch it, like the times and et cetera. Um, yeah. And that's been really great. I, I got in touch with an artist, graphic designer. She's doing her foundational year. She's going to go and do her first year at Brighton um, School of Art. 
and I was just like oh would you be interested in collaborating and so she like made these um graphic works so her name is Charlotte Clark and thanks if she's listening to this but yeah like it's been amazing just to to be able to go and have that I was saying to her I'm like my brain just can't get there but that's amazing yeah I love that so that's sort of what's been seen and heard and read there's no saying well there's lots of saying yeah it's just a different kind of screen seeing yeah it's it's yeah the fatigue is real and it is like kind of overwhelming and I love the idea of having that kind of a compiled list because one I'm obviously a a list nerd and two it's just nice to also I think right now in terms of like keeping time and like keeping ourselves like I don't want to say accountable because that sounds like aggressive just like it's nice to mark things that we've done um I find that like being able to like have like my to-do lists or like my lists of like this is you know I saw this auction and I reached out to these three people and I looked at these five previews and I sent these two articles like having that it's like I I did something and I can also remember that I did it and I feel like for like a mental health purpose which is like so like a little bit of a side it I find that to be helpful because I think that the time just is like slipping and sliding in very weird ways. No, absolutely. And I think sometimes what I read isn't necessarily what you're going to read as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's really nice to, if people are interested to go and see, Oh, what is she reading? How does she stay relevant and current with what the conversations are happening? Exactly. So I think it's, it's another really useful resource to just have that because, you know, if you're interested in what UBS is going to talk about in terms of the market in partnership with talking with our Basel, you now know that that's existing. Right. And maybe you didn't know that before. Maybe you didn't know that gallery weekend Beijing was going to happen next weekend. Yeah. And now you do. do. That's great. So next week, come back and we will be talking about digital strategies. Um, Also for part two, we are talking to Natasha Caruana, an incredible artist and educator out of London. And she is like just the queen of practical outreach. And just, she's just incredible. She's how Eric and I met. She revolutioned, revolutionized how I, but I talk about outreach. I talk about Natasha. Um, so it's a really great interview. She just gives so many good perspectives and great ways to shift and look at it in a really positive way. Uh, that and really super helpful. practical, tangible yes. pieces of information that you can take away and apply it to your practice. If you're mm-hmm. not doing, maybe you're not doing the same things as we're, we've discussed. It's yeah. really good to have another person to hear how they reach out to other people especially because she is an artist so the different hats that you wear whether you're an artist reaching out to the commercial galleries or somebody that you're you're not friends with or whatever job that you're in really actually you have to reach out to people all the time anyway so yeah Yeah. until next time i am alexis hyde you can find me everywhere at hyde or die h-y-d as in david e O-R-D as in David, I-E, or AlexisHyde.com. I'm Erica Wong. You can find me on, well, basically everywhere, but I 
think the easiest would be on my Instagram, which is to practice a practice. So that's T-O-P-R-A-C-T-I-S-E-A-P-R-A-C-T-I-C-E. And I'll put all of this down in our little blurby so you guys can get some easy click-ons. And until next time. Bye. Bye.